Happy Mother's Day to all you mamas. Um, I think us dads have this thing where, like, we know moms have the hardest job, but we never say any. We never say that. So I'm officially saying it. I know this is like breaking bro code, so I'm sorry for doing that. But thank you, moms, for being moms. Uh, so this week I was driving with my whole family in our minivan. We have a minivan. Uh, I love minivans. If you don't like minivans, it's weird to me because mini. I mean, I drove a minivan in high school. So, anyways, we got our minivan and we're driving, and um, I'm, we're driving down Midway Road. Uh, I've driven down this road hundreds of times, and I notice a house I've never noticed before. And I'm like, I've never seen this house before. It's the house looks older, so it has to have been there for a long time. And I just never noticed it. And I said to Elise, Elise, did something get torn down? For, for me to see this house, and she's like, no, I see this house all the time, and this happens to me all the time. I just, I just don't notice things. So anyways, I'm sitting there. We're at this red light, and I'm staring at this house like, where did this house come from? And I didn't realize it, but there's also two guys standing outside of the house, and they must have thought I was staring at them because the next thing I know, one of the guys has got his hand lifted up high, and he's giving me the bird. And like it's high, like he's got it up as high as it can go. And we're at this red light, and he's just leaving it up, and he's not taking it down. And we're stuck here. And I'm like, Elise, this guy is giving us the bird right now. And by the way, I'm in a minivan <laughs> with kids in the back, and I'm thinking to myself, what is going? Like, one, how dare him? Well, because I got kids in the back, but then his buddy is there too. So then his buddy joins in. So I'm looking over at them, and Both of them, as high as they can lift up their hands, they're giving me the bird. And this kind of continues on, and we're stuck at the light, and the light wants to take a long time, and they look really mad. So I'm thinking, okay, one, I'm kind of like, how dare them? I have kids in the car. But two, I'm like, like, am I about to get in a fight here? Like, what's going on? Um, And there's a few fight stories of me from back in the day, and maybe one day I'll tell you guys that, but I probably shouldn't. But anyways, so I'm like, what's going to happen next? Uh, and they're just keeping their hands up. Just like, like this is going on and on and on. So, so I said to Elise, man, these guys must have so much anger, like inside of their soul, to want to fight somebody and give the bird to someone in a minivan. So I'm just thinking, this, these guys, like, what's going on? They're in like this prison of anger. And they're like, they're in Alcatraz. You know what Alcatraz is? Alcatraz is a high security prison. It's it's an island that's a high security prison. And if you're on it, you are not getting off of it. So these guys are like in this high security prison of anger called Alcatraz, and they are not getting off of it. I mean, they are mad. But as I was thinking about it, we're not that different from the guys that are dropping the F-bomb at me or holding up the F-bomb. Um, we're all in a prison of something. And this world, in a lot of ways, is a bit of a prison. So what's really going on is every single one of us, we're standing on the beaches of Alcatraz, longing for freedom of our anger, from our sadness, from our frustration, from our depression, from our sin, from whatever it is, something. We're longing for freedom from this Alcatraz. And you know, the only way, like if, if you're on Alcatraz, like if you have a life sentence, the only way off is death. That's the only way off. And that is a picture for humanity, and it's a sad picture, but it's a true picture. 
And so we're all, we're standing on the beaches of Alcatraz looking out and we're longing for a hero to come, sail up on this big boat and take us out, free us from Alcatraz and sail us out into freedom so we can one day be the place we are meant to be. And so we're standing there, we're longing for this, and then another prisoner, because we're a prisoner on Alcatraz, another prisoner comes up behind us and says, hey man, what are you looking at? I'm like, oh, I'm just dreaming of another world. I'm, my heart longs to be free from this island. Now, by the way, if you're in prison, you can't say those things to other prisoners or you'll get beat up. You don't say, oh, I'm long, my heart longs to be free because you'll get beat up. You can say that to your mom, especially on Mother's Day, but you can't say that to another prisoner. So if you find yourself in prison, don't say those types of things. Um, but something that we always miss is this. The rescuer that we long for doesn't come from the ocean. He's the guy that's tapping us on the shoulder saying, hey, what are you looking for? That's the way that Jesus always comes to us. He comes to us from within the prison. The king doesn't come like this heroic king wearing a crown, sailing on this big, huge boat up onto the shores, beaches of Alcatraz to set us free. He comes from within the prison because this, listen, listen, he's like a gardener. And a gardener gets into the dirt of the world and he digs his hands into the dirty mess of our soul and he gives us life in our soul. And then by doing that, he's freeing us from this prison of sin that we are in and then he teaches us to sail upon the oceans of freedom till one day we get to the place where we long to be. That's what today is all about. So we're in our series called The Death of Death and what we've been doing, Jesus has just been arrested. And he's standing before the religious elite, he's standing before Pilate, and he's standing beside a guy named Barabbas. This is a phenomenal story, I'm going to read it for you. So this is our setting, this is Pilate, and he's talking, he starts off talking to Jesus. So Pilate said to him, what is truth? After he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. He's talking about Jesus. But you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So who do you want me to release to you? The king of the Jews? They cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. This story, it's only a few verses long, but it's obviously an important story because it's in every single one of the gospel accounts. And here's why. The story of Barabbas has a much deeper meaning. The hist it's historical. Like, this is historical, but it's pointing to deeper truths. And by the way, God is doing this all the time. God is taking historical details, but what he's doing is he's taking the historical details, and through these historical details, he's whispering to us undiscovered truth, eternal truths that have gone undiscovered. He's whispering them to us through the details. And I'm going to show you how he's doing it. Phenomenal what's happening here. So the same way that we're a bit like, don't be offended by this, but we're all a bit like the guy that's giving me the bird, okay? The same way we're like him, we're also a bit like Barabbas. Because we are all, we're all in a prison waiting to die. 
Now watch this. Watch what's so cool here. Watch this. You know, happy Mother's Day, by the way, for, after I said that to you. Now listen, this is so cool. Barabbas in Aramaic means son of the father. Now this is son of the father. Now this is the language that Jesus would have been speaking. He would have been speaking Aramaic, and Jesus speaks probably three languages. He speaks Aramaic, he speaks Greek, and he speaks Hebrew. But the common language of the day is Aramaic, and Barabbas, the name Barabbas in Aramaic means son of the father. Now here's what's going on here. God is saying, this Barabbas... He's the son of your father, Adam. The son of Adam. Barabbas represents all of us. And he's contrasted with Jesus. And we are contrasted, therefore, with Jesus here. The son of God. The son of Adam and the son of God. So Barabbas, also, he's called a robber here. Now, in the other gospel accounts, he's, he's primarily looked at like a murderer, but here he's called a robber. Now, here's the significance of this. His, he's the son of Adam, and Adam is the great robber who has robbed the world of God. This is the greatest robbery that has taken place in the history of the cosmos. Adam has robbed the world of God. And we, so Barabbas is there, stuck on this island, Alcatraz, like us. We're stuck on this island without God because we and our father, Adam, have run God out of this world and out of our lives, stuck in the prison, waiting to die, just like Barabbas. And you know what we keep doing on this prison? We keep trying to distract ourselves from that reality. We have things in life that we like to do. And so we take the things in life that we like to do and we're desperately just trying to distract ourselves from this reality. At best, we are doing that. We, we, I like to do this. So I'm going to focus all of my attention on this so that I can distract myself from what the reality is. That, and, and here's the reality. When someone's in prison and they've received the death sentence, when they stand up to go to the electric chair, they're standing up and they're walking out and literally somebody says out loud, dead man walking. Someone literally says that out loud. Now that is no different from us. Life in this world is short. We always say it. Everybody always says life in this world is short. Maybe our, maybe our walk to the chair is a little bit longer than the man that is given the death sentence, but still... We always say life is short, so we're not that different. We are all dead men and dead women walking. Or you think about this. You think about your, your dog. And what happens when a dog gets sick, you take the dog to the vet, and the vet tells you something you don't ever want to hear. You say, your dog is suffering. It's time to let your dog go. And so the date is set. And that happens. And then you prepare for that. And what you do is you want to give the best ending for this dog. And so you give the dog everything that they want. You give them all the food that they want that they're not supposed to eat. You give them that. And, and you just you spoil them. And you're always happy to see them because you're, you're trying to distract them from what the reality is. And guys, we do the same thing with ourselves all of the time. We're distracting ourselves from the reality that we are all dead men and dead women walking. 
And we are making every effort, by the way, we're still also making every effort to escape this prison that we are in. So in, in, by our efforts of escaping this prison we are in, we are left bruised and scarred by it because here's what we do. We try to run out of this prison that we are in and the chains eventually yank us to the ground and leave bruises and scars all over us. And we try to use things in the world to do that, but they don't work. Let me show you what I mean. So we can use anything. We could drugs, sex, alcohol, our career, anything to distract us from what our reality is, but eventually these things too will yank us to the ground and ground us and make us realize those things couldn't deliver for me either. Ah, I am stuck in this prison. How am I going to get out of it? Sounds like it, huh? Hold on. And here's the thing. Other thing too, if you're in prison, you're never able to be who you're made to be because you're in prison. You know killer whales. If you take a killer whale and you put them in captivity, they have this beautiful fin on their back. Well, eventually that beautiful fin just kind of flops over because they're in captivity, because they can't be who they're made to be in captivity. Well, we're the same way. We've got this big fin that's showing who this is who you're made to be, but this big fin is flopped over and it's flopping and hitting us in the face. We're just in this world, in this prison, we're not able to be who we're made to be. You gotta see this, that we're in the prison. You gotta see, as Joe said, your, I'm not gonna say it because this is a recording, but they might have picked it up. I don't know, we'll see. Um, but I want you to know, listen, okay, so happy Mother's Day, that's the bad news, what Joe said. But, but, I want you to know that a hero has come, but he didn't come from the ocean. He came from the prison that we are already in. He came into the dirt because he's like a gardener resurrecting dead men and dead women who are walking dead men and dead women, resurrecting them back to life. So there's two characters in the story. We have Barabbas, and we ha who's the son of Adam, who's in this prison of death because of his sin. He's sinned, and now he's in this prison waiting to die, and we have Jesus, an innocent king, in prison. And Barabbas represents all that is wrong with us at our core. He's robbed himself, of the, robbed himself and the world around him of God. And this is constantly what we're doing to ourselves and we're doing this to others. We're robbing ourselves of God. We're robbing others of God. And Pilate says, Pilate, Pilate comes in and Pilate just, he loves mocking people. And so Pilate comes in and he starts mocking the Jewish people and says, here's your king, the king of the Jews. And he's mocking Jesus at the same time by calling him king, the king of the Jews. But listen, I said this earlier, God always take his, takes historical details and he whispers greater realities to us. And what's happening here, we know this now today, that Jesus is an innocent king who's done nothing wrong, but he's the king of the cosmos who not only reigns over all the stars, but has created them all. And the religious leaders look at him, and they look at Barabbas, and they release, they're given the option, and they release a murderer, a rebel, the son of Adam, while Jesus, the son of God, the king of creation, is crucified in his place. You might be thinking, okay, well, if he's the king of the creation, why doesn't he just break himself out of the situation? Ah, you're still looking for the king 
to sail from the ocean. He has come into the prison on purpose. He's come into the prison to free us from the prison that we are in. He's the gardener who has snuck in, and he's sneaking into our soul, and he's resurrecting life within them, bringing life up out of the dirt so that we might sail for another world. And here's how he sneaks up on you. Your date has been set. You are a dead woman, a dead man, walking to the chair, to whatever it is. You're, you're walking towards it. And you know, so, so you appear before Pilate. Like, just picture yourself in this place. Just put, since we're like Barabbas, just put yourself in Barabbas' place. You realize you are done for. You're, like, you're appearing before Pilate. You realize you're done for. And then you hear words that you never thought would, you would hear. You hear Pilate say, to the religious elite, do you want to kill whatever your name is or this King Jesus? And you're like, wait, I thought I was up here alone. You look around, you see Jesus at your side. You're like, well, you just snuck up on me. And that's what he does. He sneaks up on you. But he doesn't come from the ocean. He comes from in the prison. And then you hear the religious elite cry out. You're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I don't really know much about this Jesus guy, but I know I'm doomed. And then you hear the religious elite say, send whatever, fill in the blank of your name, free, and kill Jesus in your place. The place that was for you, he snuck into the prison, sentenced to death in your place. You're a dead man or dead woman walking who has just been resurrected. Now remember, he's the king of kings, so he could just completely get out of the situation, but he doesn't. Why? Because he wants to trade places with you. He's come into the prison for you. He is an innocent king who has gone where he doesn't belong so that you, the one who deserves to be in the prison, can be freed from it. And that's at the heart of what Christianity is. It's about a king who would bleed for rebels and sinners and robbers and sons and daughters of Adam, the original chief sinner. Now, Barabbas represents all of us, but he also represents a, a, particular, a particular group of people, a particular person. He represents those who have tasted grace, but have rejected it. He stands as the Savior gives his life for him, and he goes free, but he shows no sign of thankfulness, of gratitude, or joy towards Jesus. He tasted him as a Savior and then laughed in his face. He continues to act like Adam, rejecting God of love. And here's what he's doing. He is robbing himself of God. And he's robbing God of himself because God, Jesus wants Barabbas. He wants Barabbas to turn to him and be grateful for him. But Barabbas does not do that. He shows no signs of doing that. What will you do? Will you turn to him and embrace him with thanks and gratitude and joy? Or will you reject his willingness to die for you? You have heard it. And now listen, we say it all the time. 
Life is short. Don't delay in giving yourself over to him. He's sneaking into your soul like a gardener and he's coming in to resurrect you. And listen, you got to listen for it. You got to listen for the turning of the key because that's the gardener coming in. And that's what Jesus wants us to so badly realize about him is that he is not this king that comes in wearing a crown upon the ocean because that kind of king rules from the top down. He comes in like a farmer king and he comes in and he gets into the dirt so that he might change you from the inside out or from the bottom up. You're like, you're like a tree or like a flower or something. You, if you're a guy, you could be a tree. If you're a girl, you could be like a flower, okay? But he doesn't bring you into the glory first because if a flower comes into the glory of the sun first, the, gla- the flower is scorched. So he gets into the dirt and he begins planting the seed. And he begins to resurrect life up in your soul until you are born again. You come alive, and as you come alive, at the right moment, that starts your journey of discovering his glory when you as this tree or you as this flower come up out of the ground, and then you look and you're able to see the glory of the sun, only not the S-U-N sun, but the S-O-N sun. You're not ready for it. And so he gets into the dirt, and he starts changing you and giving you life so that you might long for the glory of the sun. I mean, that's, that is why the flower, that's why the tree's coming out. It's coming out to get to the sun. <laughs> Same thing with us. He's doing work inside of us so that we might long for the sun, but the S-O-N sun that will come out, will like search, we're searching all over the place for him. And the reason we're searching is because he's putting seeds in our soul and we're longing for him. And the reason we're longing for him is because we want to come up out of the ground and come alive so we might find the glory of the sun. Oh. <sighs> Oh, this is beautiful. Yeah, we all see. Yes, well, that's the idea of the dirt. And, and also the same thing. I mean, the greatest fertilizer, I don't know if you guys know what it is, but um, it's, I mean, it, well, anyways, you can figure that out. Um, but for, listen, first he's giving us life. And after he gives us life, then he's teaching us to sail upon the ocean the the freedom in the ocean but we don't know how to get out we don't know how to be out there in freedom so he's giving us life first so we won't know what to do with this freedom but don't look for him above his glory will blind you and don't look for him out upon the ocean it's a sea of hopelessness you've got to look in the dirt that's where you first find him And this is where people lose Jesus. Because everybody seems to love, like everybody likes Jesus. Like, I love what he's teaching. I love the stuff that he's saying. But but you will never find him for real unless you see him standing beside you as a prisoner, king who came to trade places with you. He did not die for you as a precaution that you might not somehow earn, have just this great record while you're in prison and just somehow break free because you've done so many great things in prison. The crimes have already been committed. He's coming because we're hopeless without him. You know, you will always just like Jesus 
until you realize you are hopeless without him, and then you're going to love him forever. I was, I was talking to a guy, um, I was talking to a, a Jewish man, and uh, he told me that, you know, we have the same ethics. You guys just make too much of this Jesus guy. And, and I almost said to him, I almost said, you know what our real problem is? We don't make enough of him. That's our real problem. We don't know what we have before us. We don't know that the king of the cosmos has come down into the dirt of our lives and he's resurrecting life within us. I mean, what did we do to deserve that? Nothing. But he did it. And that's what makes you say, ah, I'm yours. He's freed us from Alcatraz by going in for us. You know, I, I know, I know the reasons why we don't want to go all in with him. I know, the, I know the reason why. It's because we lose control, and we don't want to lose control. So what we say is, you know what, I'm going to do it one day. I think, I think this is true about Jesus, but I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait till I get completely like sold out for him. I'm just going to, I just want to wait a little bit longer. Listen, we don't know how much time we have left. Go to the one who died to free you from Alcatraz. Why do we wait? The real sight that anyone has of Jesus, the first sight, is always him coming in as your substitute. Is always him as an innocent king condemned in your place. Not an innocent man just dying, but an innocent king dying for you. That's the first real sight. A king that knew you, though you didn't know him. A king who stalked you. A king who saw you nursing at your mother's breast. Not in a weird way, but in a way that he just longs for you and he's watching you and he's stalking you in your life so that at the perfect time, he might reveal himself to you as this farmer king, as this king who resurrects life in you. He unveils himself at the perfect time. And once you discover the king who snuck into the prison to die for you, to resurrect life within you, you realize something about him. He is teaching you to sail into freedom. And this, if you're a Christian, this is where we get all messed up. Because we want a, li a list of rules is so much easier. But he gives us his freedom, and we don't know what to do with it. We have to learn a whole new way to live. We have to learn a whole new way to be human. The Christian, the Christian is free from the prison and sailing to the new world, and it's a sure thing. Like, the world is yours because Jesus is with you, and he's taking you to this whole new world. And so what, what we say is, we say, well, man, if I'm getting to this new world, nothing's going to stop it from happening, and I'm free. What's stopping me from sinning? What's stopping me from doing this? Why would I try to be good? I mean, should I be trying to be good? And here's the answer to this question. It, meant, it depends on what you mean by try to be good. If you mean try to be good by this, I'm going to try to be good, but I'm not really going to go to him, the king, then I would say stop trying. Because all that's going to do is enslave you all over again. 
But if you mean by try, if you mean by following him with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, then yes, try the best that you can to follow closely to him. He's calling you right now. Follow. Yeah, he is calling. That's a, is that a, that's a song. Okay, so listen, 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 listen. So he's, he, he is longing for you to go to him so that he then might change you. He, he's not worried about you becoming good. He wants to make you like him. He wants to change you from the inside out. He wants so much more for you than for you to just be good. The only way to live in freedom is to follow closely to Christ. Otherwise, you will find yourself enslaved to something else. Look, watch. Seek him, and you will find yourself living in his kingdom. Try to be good without him, and you will find yourself enslaved to something again. If you try to live, watch this. If you try to live life in his kingdom, if you try to live a life that's worthy of his kingdom without him, you are creating a false heaven. You are creating an artificial heaven that will eventually never satisfy you. See, Barabbas had the freedom, but he went without Christ. And eventually what will happen to Barabbas and what does happen to Barabbas is the, the, the Alcatraz, the prison of death, catches up to him again. But if you will love him for what he has done for you, you will go nowhere without him. And anywhere he goes, you will follow him. And if you're frustrated that you can't live the way God is calling you to live, then it's likely because you are trying to live that way without him. And it's so much easier to live that way without him because then we feel like we have done it. And then we feel like we're in control. And he's saying, no, listen, give yourself over to me. And I'm going to change you from the inside out. Let me be a farmer to you. See, he comes into the prison, and he's breaking you out, not once, but every day. And here's what I mean by that. See, see, if, if you say, if you're like, yes, okay, I'm a Christian, you have been freed from Alcatraz. But listen to what happens. We get out into freedom, and then we become enslaved in these little tiny cages. We put ourselves in these tiny cages, and we're no longer free because we have to go to him every single day. In, in, in the movie Lord of the Rings, Gandalf, this great good wizard, is freeing someone from a spell that is on them that has basically held them captive. So they're held captive. They're not who they are. And so what, what has happened is this evil wizard has enslaved them, has held them under the spell. The true and real evil wizard is Satan, and he is real. And he wants you to be held captive under his spell, and Jesus has set you free from it, but... Because you are free, the best thing Satan can do is trick you into thinking that you are not free anymore. It's trick you into thinking that God doesn't really love you. Of thinking you have, that trick you into thinking he hasn't really traded places with you. Are you falling for the lie? Stop being tricked into thinking that you aren't free when you are. The king has released you. Stop.
stop living with fear and lived with this untamed, wild love or for a God who's given his life for you that you want nothing else to do for everybody to know who he is and what he's done for you. He died so you could be released. Stop living with sin. You have been released from its grip. Stop living with anxiety. You have been released from it. Stop living in a way that enslaves you to people who don't love you. You have been released from this. He loves you beyond your wildest dreams. Stop living with this deep pain of trying to prove yourself to people around you who have doubted you. You have been set free from that. You have been released from that. And now you can simply live doing the things that he has called you to do and enjoy doing them without being enslaved to anything about what anybody thinks about you. But you simply just want to do what God's called you to do. Stop living with guilt and shame. You've been released from it. There's no place in your life for guilt and shame if you have gone to Christ unless you are giving it power that it does not have. Stop being scared of giving yourself over to God. Stop being scared of giving yourself over to obedience towards him. Listen, listen, listen. Stop being scared of saying, God, I'm just going to do what you say. I'm becoming more and more convinced that the reason that we don't obey God is that we're scared that we're going to lose something. We're scared we're going to lose some sin that we love, we start to think that the sin is enough for us and God is not. Sin can only harm us, but we can't let it go. We keep going back to it. Doesn't that sound like slavery? We keep going back to something that's harming us. Doesn't that sound like prison? This is my biggest problem in obeying God. I don't believe he's enough all the time. And I believe some sin is better than him. I, I don't believe that, his, that he is worth the loss of some sin. I doubt his glory. I doubt his worth. I, I doubt his beauty. If you're a Christian, you've been set free. So live like you're free. And one of the first things, one of the first signs of somebody who has been set free from the prison is they immediately do something crazy. They go back into the prison and they start telling everybody in the prison about the one who substituted himself in their place so that they might go to him as well. A passion for his glory is a sign of someone who has tasted the freedom that is offered in Christ. A life of freedom is a life lived for his glory. You've got to stop doubting the length and width and height and depth of the love of God that is in Christ Jesus because he has come into the prison of this world to get you. And he's come and he's substituted himself in your place. And now he's kindling a life within your soul, being a farmer, resurrecting life within you, making you fit so that you might sail the oceans of freedom and one day might come to the home that you were made to live in forever. That's the king. Don't wait. Whether you're a Christian or not, go to him. Go to him if you're not for the first time. If you're a Christian, go to him every single day. The treasure of the king who gave his life. No other treasure does that for you. 